Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. His kung fu courage set in motion. It's a massive dynamic explosion. Man, how many shows have we um, started with the um, the theme tune to the obscure Goodbye Bruce Lee um, by Candy? What a great piece of music that is. Why the hell are we getting that one out again? I'll tell you why. Because there's a, well, newish. It's been out about a month, maybe five, six weeks. Bruce Lee um, book, Bruce Lee, A Life. It's by Matthew Polly. I've got that right, haven't I? You've got exactly right. And Matthew joins me in the studio all the way from the, you've been you you live in you've been to America. You live in America. <laughs> I do. Whereabouts in America are you from, man? Uh, I live in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, and just flew in here last week for a, a Bruce Lee conference in Cardiff now, this University. Is, this, is, this was this was in the week because I looked at this and was thinking, oh, if, if this is a weekend, I'm going. But it was in the week. Yes, it was. What? Now tell me what happens at Bruce Lee. Conference, because 15-year-old me is fanboying out massively on this. Well, you know, I thought it would be a little Star Trek-y, but actually there's a number of scholars from Hong Kong University, from Oxford, uh, film scholars and uh, martial arts scholars who came to do papers about Bruce Lee and his influence on the martial arts and culture in general. And it's, I thought it was awesome because one of the things that uh, I found researching the book yeah. is that he has a huge fan base, um, but he's not really as respected in the academy as I think he deserves to be for his impact. It, well, it, I, I get Here's the thing. I, I, I can never, he made like four and a half films. You Basically, know, This, this yeah. is the thing. And the fact that we're talking about him 45 years or thereabouts after he died with a handful of films, right. the majority of them... Low budget foreign films, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and and those Hong Kong movies, <laughs> they were rough. They are rough, but there's there's just something about them. You know, this guy by rights should have been written off in history. You know, he did he, the, the the foreign films, the kind of Enter the Dragon, which is a little bit schlocky, really. Mm. But there's something about him. What what do you think it is that that we've asked this question a lot on this show? That 45 years later, th- this guy is still you know, revered and talked about. I think part of the impact is that Bruce Lee convinced people like you, people like me, we fell in love with him. Yeah. And there's something about his presence on screen that's just, 
pure energy and captivates people. And so I ended up taking the martial arts, 20 million different I did it. Yeah. I learned learned Kung Fu as a result of Bruce. Exactly. And so he was almost a missionary. He came over and he converted a good portion of the Western world to Kung Fu and introduced it and it, it had been there before, but Bruce Lee is the face that mm. popularizes it. And you're right, he does have that chemistry. In his first, I mean, he made films as a kid, obviously, but in his first kind of big big martial arts film, The Big Boss, he doesn't do anything for the first 45 minutes. He does nothing. He just stands there very passively. But, you know, and, and James Tien is kind of the star of the first half, but, but all eyes are on Bruce. Right. He's just got that magic, hasn't he? That's what was amazing. In fact, uh, the big boss, he wasn't supposed to be the star. James Tien yeah. had already been booked. Wow. And uh, they shoved Bruce in, and they were trying to decide if Bruce really had the deal, if he was the real deal or not. Yeah. And so, you know, quite quickly they realized that, you know, He's got the whatever that X factor yeah. is that makes someone a star. Bruce had it, and they killed off James Tien, and the, and from there it was history. Bruce Lee dominated the industry. Why did you write a book about him? I well, the main reason was a he was a childhood hero of mine, uh, but b a friend of mine said, you know, you love Bruce, you should write a biography. Of Bruce and I said, well, there has to be several good ones out there, right. and and there isn't, Mm-mm. and I felt almost personally insulted that. You know, Steve McQueen has six good biographies about him. Marilyn Monroe has like a dozen. Mm. But uh, any white person does anything gets a biography, but Bruce Lee can't get one. And so I really felt like this was my way to pay back my debt to Bruce Lee to write a proper mm. biography of his life. Now, you mentioned the, the, the white actors. We'll talk about Steve McQueen in a minute. But, but, but what a lot of people don't appreciate is... Um, the barriers that he broke, that Bruce Lee broke down um, in in America, because of course they wanted him to play, when he was trying to be an actor, they wanted him to be the did little and den den, all the chop socky, you yep. know, with the ponytails, the the kind of the yellow mat, all of that kind of stuff, and he was like, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing those. Right. Slightly racist, traditional Chinese characters. Yeah, he called them Hopalong Wong roles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. And he, you know, he and he would say, "I'm not going to play some pigtail coolie on some wow. Western show or a houseboy." Uh, and in fact, the first role he was offered was Charlie Chan's number one son. This yeah. is little known. And he was going to be the star. And the executive said, "No one will watch a TV show in America in 1966." with a Chinese actor as the star. And so he got bumped down to Cato uh, in the Green Hornet, and he was furious. And he said to the producer, I'm not doing this if you make me some houseboy role. And and the producer was like, we're going to make you the weapon. You're going to be as important as the Green Hornet. And that's how he became a star initially. And then when that show got canceled, he had four to five years where he couldn't book anything. Mm. You know, he was one show a year. um, And... There, he did one Western, which is funny because none of the other Westerns would let him have a short haircut. <laughs> and his, his hairstylist was Jay Sebring, who was mm. uh, who was killed in the Manson murders. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. yes. And Sebring was the one wow. who introduced him to Coburn and uh, McQueen. He was his connection into that celebrity culture. Um, so he has this really mod, stylish haircut yeah. in this Western TV show. But basically he couldn't get booked. And it, and almost out of frustration, uh, he ended up going back to Hong Kong, and that's how his career. Well, this is, and this is, and by the way, the the Green Hornet. It's not aged brilliantly, no. But Bruce Lee is so cool in that. That's he right. is, and there's a lot of him hanging back 
and then just exploding into to power. And if you want a, a real treat, uh, 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 the episode of Batman that's got uh, <laughs> the Bruce crossover, in, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Where, where I think Robin beats Bruce Lee up, doesn't he? And so the story behind this is the first script, uh, they're visiting Batman, and Batman's the bigger show. Yeah. And they write it so that Kato loses to Robin, <laughs> and Bruce throws a fit. He's like, I'm not doing it. No one would believe I would wow. lose to this guy. Uh, and so the producers come down and they have a discussion and they basically have a Mexican standoff as the end. But neither one wins. But Bruce was very sort of aggressive about not letting a Chinese character be treated as yeah. subservient. Um, we talked about the, the barriers he broke down going to America. But then when he went back to Hong Kong, mm. didn't a lot of kind of Chinese think he was he was too American? He was too Western for them. And that's what's sort of amazing about Bruce's career. In many ways, he's almost a post-racial figure because yeah. he grew up, he was Eurasian. Um, his ancestry was, his grandmother was all English. This is the stuff you found out exclusively in this book. No one knew this no before. No one knew this before. Everyone thought his grandfather was German, and a German Catholic priest was one of the stories. <laughs> Turns out his grandmother's English, his great-grandfather was Dutch-Jewish. And so he, from a very early age, had discrimination for not being Chinese enough in mm. Hong Kong. Then he gets discriminated in America for not being white. Then he goes back to Hong Kong, and they say he's too westernized. Mm. In fact, there was a huge scandal that occurred because he grew out a full beard, and most Chinese men can't grow out of full right, beard. Yeah, yeah. And so when he did that, uh, they criticized him for not respecting elders and tradition. Wow. And so he faced a lot of sort of, uh, of criticism. And I think that's why once he was asked, do you think of yourself as Chinese or North American? And he said, I like to think of myself as human because under heaven we're all from the same family. What yeah. a, what a message, and that, that and that you know we were saying something very similar on this show the other day, you know, with with, with Brexit and the World Cup and all this stuff that I couldn't really care less about. I, we, human beings, man, you know. Yeah. Once we realised that, what was his connection with the Kung Fu television series? With the, 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 we went to David Carradine. Was he supposed to be doing that? So I I researched the whole thing. Uh, one of the myths is that he wrote it. He didn't actually write no. the script. He had a different project called The Warrior, which apparently is going to be on Cinemax American TV next year, Wowzers. based okay. on his original treatment. Um, wow. But he went in to audition for the part, and I talked to the TV executive at Warner Brothers who auditioned him, and he said, oh, <laughs> this guy Tom Coon and Bruce Lee kicks open the door, comes in with his nunchaku, and starts whirling it around the guy's face. And 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 Tom Coon is like, slow down, slow down. Like, wow. So Bruce slows down and is talking to him, and uh, Coon's impression was he had great energy, he was really passionate, tremendous charisma, but he felt his accent was too thick. Right, okay. Which is a weird thing to say because when I hear Bruce speak, yeah. I don't hear I hear a slight accent, but nothing too thick. Yeah. And I think what it was though is that deep in their subconscious they knew they didn't want to cast a Chinese guy in the part. Right. Okay. And, and so they they did George Takai. They went through all the actors and Asian actors in Hollywood and they went, nope, 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 nope. And then they got to the white actors and they said yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, America. Well, saying that, saying America wasn't ready for a Chinese lead then, I can't think of that many series from recent time where you've had a Chinese lead. There's that, a couple possibly. Yeah, just very recently, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, is one of the first right. comedies to have it. And then Filthy Rich Asians is this new movie that's going to come out, which will be 
you know, most of the parts will be Chinese. Uh, Kung Fu was a breakthrough. And then after that, um, because there were a lot of Chinese parts underneath David Carradine. Uh, but they were all with the pointy hats yes. and the, the, the bowing and, and getting beaten up by the cowboys. And then David Carradine comes and, and does saves his grasshopper. The yeah. white guy saves of the Chinese guys. Of exactly. course he does. And, and I think part of the reason why your very first question, why Bruce Lee still stays with us, is because not only is he the first to star in a Hollywood movie, but he's almost pretty much the only one. I mean, we only have Jackie Chan. Yeah. And 45 years later... You can't think of another romantic, heroic no. lead as an Asian actor. And you mentioned Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's accent I struggle with in a lot of movies. Some movies it's clearer than others. But a lot of movies I struggle with, with his accent when he's speaking English. That's right. And and uh, one of the great advantages Bruce had is he grew up uh, wealthy. And so he went to schools where English was the language being taught. Right. And, of course, Jackie Chan grew up in the Peking opera tradition where he didn't go to school at all. Yeah, uh, And so... Uh, I don't think Jackie would succeed at all, except for the fact that he's a physical comedian. Yeah, and he he plays the Buster Clean clown. Language. That's the language, and that's so the language is all physical, and the words are very minor. But that's why Bruce worked. Okay, we got Matthew Polly here's book Bruce Lee: A Life Is Out. I've tweeted links to it. I'll tweet them again in a little bit. This is the late night alternative on Talk Radio. Experience the unconventional, Evening, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox exactly. with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
Hello, I'm Jamie East. Now, as well as being on talk radio every afternoon between 1 and 4pm, I've just started a brand new podcast that I wanted to tell you about. It's called Talk Film. We've got interviews with the big stars like Martin Freeman, Tandy Newton, Josh Brolin, loads of them. And also all of the reviews of the week's big releases. There's a new episode every Thursday, available through Apple Podcasts and your favourite podcast app. Just search for Talk Film and give it a whirl. If you like it, please hit that subscribe button. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Um, I'm joined by Matthew Polly. He's an author. He's written a book called Bruce Lee, A Life. He's written other books, Tapped Out. We might talk about that in a minute. I was just telling Matthew that when I went to New York, um, as you would have heard, dear listener, I I went to, um, when the Monkees concerts were cancelled, I went to this restaurant, this Chinese restaurant owned by Angela Mao, who is, you know, was uh, a rarity, a female kung fu star who was excellent as well. You know, it wasn't just a token woman. She was incredible. She did films with Bruce and with Jackie Chan and all of these people. Then she vanished off the face of the earth. And a couple, but two or three years ago, story came out saying, hey, you remember that woman who was in those films? Um, she's got a restaurant just outside of New York City. And it's and I went and saw her. You went and interviewed her recently, did I you? I did. I talked to Angela Mao Ying, and she's... She's as charming as you could ever hope. Wow. And uh, some uh, friends of mine brought a poster, and she took photos with them. And she kind of has this, you know, it's like uh, someone who was so famous when she was in her 20s and has mm. left it behind, and mm. you're sort of reminding her a part of her youth. And so there's a kind of joy, but also a slight embarrassment. She's She's absolutely delightful, and you can see... When you meet certain people, you're like, I see why you were a star. You're right. She's still got that vibe. She's got that. She's got that I'm, little bit of extra that you know that I'm she was somebody so special. I'm so pleased because when I went, she wasn't. I just went on a whim, and it took me a couple of hours to fight. It is right yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Um. And I got on. A, I tried to do the subway, and I couldn't do it. Then I got an Uber, and we got there, and she wasn't there, and I didn't expect her to be. Every time. Every, every time a tiny Chinese woman with glasses came in, I kind of went to stand up. And in that part of town, that happens quite a lot. There's yeah. a big Chinese community. It there. is, yeah. But I didn't speak to her. I had a lovely lunch, and I spoke to her son, George, and I right. just said, look, man, I'm I'm from the UK, and I just want you to know that I think your mum is fab, and she was really important to me when I was growing up. And, mm-hmm. and he was over the moon. I mean, that must be weird for him as well. He, he was saying that fans... He, he was saying fans from all over America. And when I said the UK, he was like, what? You've come from there for this? <laughs> and I said, yeah, man. It was great food as well. It was. It's a, it's a great Chinese restaurant. Uh, what happened is her son uh, immigrated over here and opened a restaurant and right. was having some trouble, and she came over to help oh, him out. good for her. So you've got that Chinese family thing that uh, goes on. Did you get to speak to any of Bruce Lee's family? Because we've tried to get Shannon, uh, uh, his daughter, on the show, and Linda on the show, because they do a podcast. They do. And the management said, yeah, well, sure, write down, send us an email, tell us what the show is, what you want, and we'll pass it on to them. Never heard from them ever again. They obviously were not interested. <laughs> did you get access to them? I did. I interviewed Shannon and Linda. Wow. And I talked to his older sister, Phoebe. Mm. Uh, and I briefly chatted with Robert, although I didn't interview him. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I got to have uh, chats with all of them. And were they... <sighs> What do they? Th- it, it must be difficult for the widow of someone who died forty-five years ago and the daughter to keep going back, keep going back, and and talk. You know, how? What's their relationship with their history? Well, I think it's interesting because Shannon now runs the Bruce Lee estate, right? Yeah, and so uh, this is her job to go around and talk right. about her father. Um, uh, Linda's mostly retired, and so it took a while to arrange the interview. Uh, what struck me about uh, Linda is the degree 
the amount of love she still has for him. Mm. Uh, and it made me think he must have been a pretty good husband <laughs> because uh, I think 45 years later, my wife would be, have moved on. So <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, so she really she really she she can quote things that he said mm. from the past. And uh, she just she really thinks he's amazing. And it was important for me to get that kind of feel of you can get a feel of who someone was through the people who love them. Mm. And uh, I got a real sense of sort of, he was very devoted to her uh, and, and he was serious about making her happy. And he did. She was, she loved him. Mm. Despite the fact we know that that, that he died um, at a house of a mystery, his mistress, Betty yep. Ting Pei, right. Chinese actor. Um, but in your book, you you've found out that there were other, affairs going on which isn't actually that surprising is it when you you kind of know a little bit about him that's right i mean he grew up in hong kong where his grandfather had 13 concubines mm. it was just sort of accepted that uh, a, a man who's successful has more than one relationship and then of course he goes to hong kong in the swinging 60s mm. steve mcqueen's his mentor um but no one had really covered any of that and so uh one of the interesting stories was uh, the actress Sharon Farrell, who was in the movie uh, Marlowe. Okay, yes. Bruce's very first uh, debut where he has like... Is that three... one where he jumps off the roof? It's yes. Exactly. Yeah. Three, he's got like three minutes of screen time with James scene. Garner. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and so uh, they met on set and they, they a thing got started. And then her next movie was with Steve McQueen in The Reavers. And the thing started with Steve. And so for a, a while, the two of them were competing over the wow. same the same woman. And she ended up picking Steve. And, and Bruce said, I know he's such a big star, but someday I'll be a big star too. Won't you wait for me? <laughs> and you get a sense of it was like high school, right? Wow, you yeah. know, two guys who, are, who both have a crush on the cheerleader. And I think Bruce's view uh, very much was – you know, a, it's very kind of 1950s Mad Men view. Like, mm. you're a dedicated husband, you earn, you love your wife, but when you're off at work... A man has needs, and, you know, you got to go and get them where you can. That I think that was very much the view of that time. Yeah. And he... he and so it was very typical. And when I discovered, I was like, of course. Yeah. You know, I wasn't shocked or anything. But it's interesting that I think a lot of... Um, People he had these relationships with were afraid that Bruce Lee fans would be upset, mm. and so they didn't say anything for a long time. He was um, very hip and, and <clears throat> very um, exotic when he moved to the States. And you mentioned Steve McQueen and James Coburn, because he set up a martial arts school. Again, uh, the, the Chinese furious that he was he was sharing this stuff with Westerners, you know, this great Chinese secret. Uh, how did he manage? To, how did he get in with Steve McQueen and Coburn? Because they were big stars then. They were huge stars, and that's one of the amazing things about Bruce is he had so much like interpersonal charisma that mm. he could go and charm the biggest box office stars on earth and have them want to learn from him. Uh, his his access was through Jay Sebring, right, the hairdresser, who died in the Manson murders, uh, and Sebring. They were all his clients, and he started to teach Sebring. Sebring started to brag about him to his clients, and one by one, he picked them up, and so. So during this period where he couldn't get any parts, the way he kept the rent going was by teaching uh, uh, Coburn for like $150 an hour wow. in 1960. So it was like $800 an hour it wow. was to, to train with Bruce. And he tried uh, – he, he used those relationships to try to advance his career. Yeah. 
Did you speak to Coburn? Coburn had passed. Oh, when did he? When did he? Hang on a minute. James Coburn's dead. <laughs> when, what the hell? When did James Coburn die? I think it was a bit a while ago. No. Yes, I you're think so. joking. Yeah, I know. I've, oh, I, uh, Matthew. I, I could be wrong. Someone can call in and tell me I'm God, wrong. Someone, can we? Can Catherine? Can we, we find Google out? that one? I'm First per- of all, is James Coburn dead, or was he just ignoring Matthew's calls? That could be. He's dead to me. And if, <laughs> if, uh, if he ignores your calls, he's dead to me. And when he died, because this is this is a huge. I was only thinking about him the other day, thinking, you don't hear much from James Coburn these days. You may have cleared up that mystery. That yes. could be, Kath's about to type up, well, hang on a minute, he's definitely dead. Yep. What what year did he die, Catherine? No! 2002? No one told me? <laughs> we you, got, were, you weren't at the funeral. You dude, didn't get invited. <laughs> we've got to end this show. I can't, I know, I can't carry on. Or there's a lone note. It's funny you mentioned the, 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 the funeral, because... Um, we we've talked about the the Bruce Lee clones on this show, yes. Uh, 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 and there's a brilliant podcast, the Clones Cast, which is a great listen. And and how, I- I- in the wake of Bruce Lee's death, Hong Kong went. Hang on a minute, we're losing loads of money. Oh, let's just get people who look a little bit like them, call them Bruce something, and <laughs> put them in a film. And there were there were literally hundreds of these, and Bruce Lai and Bruce Lur and Dragon Lee and blah, 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 all yeah. these people. Yep. They, they tried it with Jackie Chan for a while. They, they tried did. to make him Bruce Lee for yeah. a while. Um, and in so many of those films, even in the Game of Death, there's I'm always I was always surprised as a kid. There's actual footage of Bruce Lee's funeral mm. and Bruce Lee's corpse in his open top coffin. How the hell? How have, how does that pop up in so many films? And boy, oh boy, that's dark. Putting it in the Game of Death, a film about him that he died making. Yeah. How did they get the clearance for that? So uh, I one of the people I interviewed for the book was Raymond Chow, who who is wow. who is his boss. Yeah. one of the last interviews he ever did, and uh, he knew. I think he knew inherently that he was in trouble when Bruce died. <laughs> <laughs> The golden goose was gone. And so he was going to milk that for all he had. And so they sent a camera crew to the funeral and also the funeral in Seattle. And there's there's photo there's video of Linda on the plane flying from Hong Kong to Seattle with the with the coffin in the cargo hold. And he put um, because he had this footage of the funeral, they just stuck it into Game of Death. And, you know, everybody who loves Bruce Lee, that moment, and when you see that, is like, just makes you cringe. Um, but, you know, Hong Kong, like, people say Hollywood's harsh. Hong Kong doesn't mess around. I, if there's a buck to be made, they figure out a way to do I it. I love Game of Death. Yeah. Right? And do it's, you? It's, it's a mess. Right? Yes. As, as an adult, I recognize it's a mess. As, uh-huh. a, as, a, as a 14-year-old kid, 13, when I first saw it, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. For those who don't know, he filmed about 45 minutes of footage, didn't really have a plot, then went off to do Enter the Dragon, then died. And, and Raymond Chow went, we've got all of this footage, what are we going to do? And they craft the most ham-fisted, <laughs> clumsy story about Bruce Lee, but he's called Billy Lowe. Uh-huh. And the, the, of course, the, the mafia are after him, so he fakes his death, and then he goes on an undercover mission. But it's done before CGI. So... 
they just use scenes from Bruce Lee films and pretend it's part of the narrative. And there's, isn't there one scene where there's there's like a picture of Bruce Lee stuck on a mirror? Yes. So he, and he, you see the guy's body. Go on, explain that. Yeah, I mean, they didn't know how to do it back then, and they they made it for a buck fifty. And so <laughs> they they have a scene where he goes, and it's the actor pretending to be Bruce, and looks in the camera, looks at a mirror, and then it cuts to the mirror, and there's just a photograph of Bruce. <laughs> It is the cheesiest thing you've ever it's seen. Amazing, and also as well, this is another thing that's nuts, right? So he's got about forty-five minutes, an hour's worth of Bruce Lee footage. They put about eight minutes of that's it in, right. the, in the movie. Yes, they so cut. that moment go. Oh, well, here comes Bruce. We're going to see real Bruce. Oh, that was over quick. They don't put it in. No, they had they had they had thirty to forty minutes of footage that he had filmed, and when you get to those five minutes, that movie completely transforms, oh, comes alive, and what you realize is. There's just something about someone who's a, a genius. Yeah. And it's like Barishnikov. Like, you just watch him or Gene Kelly, like, dancing. You watch Bruce Lee do kung fu, and it's not like anybody else. It cannot be imitated. Mm. And that whatever he had that made him that magnetic just transforms the movie. And suddenly you go from this schlocky blueploitation thing, and then it's like, whoa, mm. this is the best thing ever. And that's the thing, man, about it. You know, people go, what are you talking about this boring, you know, karate man for? Because it, it's not, it's, it's, it's dance. It's it's it, you, you mentioned Gene Kelly. It's dance. What he is doing at his best, um, and and there's there's a couple of fight scenes that are a little bit rugged, but at his best, um, you know, some of the scenes in Enter the Dragon, those the the the, the uncut scene with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, the seven foot tall basketball player, some the, the the some of the scenes in Fist of Fury. God, I'm salivating. It's dance. It's beautiful right. performance, isn't it? And so the two things I think why he's so interesting still is because one, people, uh, many people don't know, you do, but he was the Hong Kong cha cha champion. Cha cha champion, of course. That's yes. right. And so they were, he also was the expert in the jive, the boogie woogie, the lindy <laughs> hop, like whatever fashionable dance was occurring his teenage years, he, yeah. he became an expert at. He came to America. And his girlfriend at the time in college before Linda, uh, Amy Sambo, said he would study how African-Americans danced mm. and walked and incorporate that into its wow. move. And so he has the kind of rapper swagger as yeah. well. But he cut his teeth as a choreographer. Yeah. And I think the... The the thing he was clearly most advanced at at the time of his death was choreographing these fight scenes so that they had a rhythm and a flow and the pauses. So the whole thing is beautiful in and of itself yeah. beyond just the technical skill of yeah. the strikes and the kicks. And also when it's a Chinese crew filming it, it's better. There's some great scenes in Enter the Dragon, but the fight's a little bit clumsily shot. When you've got the Chinese camera operator, you know, director of photography and the director who know what it's all about, it, it the whole thing just, just comes alive. A couple more quick questions, and then I'm going to send you on your way. Is there any, you know, this is the, the question every Bruce Lee fan wants to know, is there any other footage out there that we've never <laughs> seen? It, we're all waiting for that great lost fight scene to come up. Is there anything? So uh, fans got their hopes up in the 90s when Bay Logan, who you've had on, mm. found the full game of death, mm. which was about 60 minutes of material. Uh, and then, of course, the Pierre Burton interview mm. was found by John Little. Uh, and since then, there's been nothing. From what I've heard... It, if it existed, no one knows where right, it's at. Right. Uh, and I certainly asked all around, and no one's hiding it. Let okay. me put it that way. Okay. So it might be in a box somewhere on Hammer Hill Road in Hong Kong, but um, as far as we know, there's nothing nothing out there. Okay, now listen, you don't just sit around and write books and go and interview people. You kind of get dirty and sweaty for your books. And I was reading up about you. 
um, this week. Tapped out. Yeah. This is where you... Now, what, we're a similar age. We're sort of late 40s? Yep, late okay. 40s, yeah. And, you know, we, we, I, with no disrespect, you, you don't look the fittest guy. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> but you went and did mixed martial arts. Sure. Are you nuts? I know. That stuff crazy. is proper dangerous. Yes. Uh, so my very first book I studied at the Shaolin Temple in China. I studied Kung Fu with the monks. Wow. And that was when I was 19 or 20 and okay. I was still fit. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was about 35, I was looking for another book project and they're like, well, you wrote this once. Why don't you try it again? And I was like, mate, <laughs> I got a gut now. I'm not going out there. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, you should. it'll be funny. A middle-aged guy trying to learn mixed martial arts. A middle-aged guy getting the shit kicked out of so, it. That's going to be a laugh. So I was at you know, Extreme Couture. Uh, actually, Randy Couture's son, Ryan, was my training mm. partner and just knocked the tar out of me. Uh, and by the time it was over, I had a cracked rib and a broken nose. Like, my nose is permanently crooked. And uh, <laughs> so when they said, what book do you want to do next? I was like, one where I don't get punched in the face. <laughs> so half the reason I did Bruce Lee was because, you know, I could just sit there and read yeah. the books and talk to people. But, yeah, I did I did do the Got in the Ring. And I think it helped to understand sort of where Bruce was coming yeah. from. That, those um, what is it? Is it the Long Island tournament with the thing where he's doing the one inch punch demonstration? Yeah. That I mean, that go and find that on YouTube, guys, because because it's 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 just out of this world, yes. isn't it? The power of that man. Yes, he found a way to sort of tap, a, be able to like make his body relax and then drive all his force into a single point mm. at just the right instant, and he could knock men who were eight inches taller and 100 pounds heavier back like eight, ten feet. It's quite remarkable. It's incredible. Yeah. I tried to learn how to do it. I can't do it at all. I had a book on it it when I was 12. Like James DeMille? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my bedroom practicing the one-inch punch. (laughs) (laughs) Getting nowhere. I was 12. Um, Okay, final question. Then we're going to let you go, uh, uh, Matthew. Uh, um, How did he die? No. (laughs) Was it the vibrating palm? It was Dimmock. There is there is the the death touch. There are so many theories, right, about Bruce Lee dying. One was that he's not dead and he was just went into hiding for twenty years or something. Um, one that was a drugs overdose. Uh, and the one is, is Dimmock, the, the vibrating hand where someone comes up to you in the street and sort of just gently taps you at a certain part of your body and that will kill you like two weeks later or something. And it, it's even better. It's when it, it's in totally in the control of the person doing it. Wow. And, I love this. And so, what and it ha- was that that killed him, right? Yeah, Surely. of course. Or ninjas. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but I tell you, I actually do come up with a new theory in the book. Uh, okay. Don't tell us that. Don't tell us. Leave I won't that. ruin it. You have to read the book. Leave that as the as the great mystery. But you're okay. saying you're saying it's not the vibrating death touch. I, I you know, I've, I if I had to bet, I'd bet against that. You're controversial, man. I know. Uh, who, who knew we were going to fall out? Um, Matthew Polly, uh, Bruce Lee, a life. Um, the websites and Twitter and things. If people want to get in touch with you, where should they go? Um, Matthew E. Polly uh, at Twitter, and also mattpolly.com is my website. Beautiful. If you want to find more about the book, brilliant. When are you going back to the states? I'm going back uh, in two days. Okay. Well, uh, in- enjoy the the, the weather. I, I'm I'm gonna go see the Trump diaper <laughs> balloon. Can you, can, can you take Trump back with you? I mean, he's God knows what he's. He was. I, I'm here doing advance work for Trump, didn't I he, tell you? <laughs> he was. I mean, I, I don't really care either way. Yeah, sure. He's out there with our Queen, and he's walking in front of the Queen. No one walks in front of the Queen. 
off with his head, is what I say. Um, Matthew, it's so nice to meet you, brother. Thank you very much. Best of luck with the book. Um, let's play the adverts. This is the late night alternative on Talk Radio. Experience the unconventional. Hello. The unpredictable. Don't you think that's a bit weird? And the completely unorthodox. It was my birthday. With rule-free Ian Lee. Uh, I was just trying to generate a bit of content. The late night alternative with Ian Lee. Hate alarm clock. Hate going to work. On Talk Radio.